0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second-to-last ASF Weekly Science Podcast of 2023. I say second-to-last because there's still time for the annual ASF year-in-review, which is good this year, and it's hopefully shorter than previous years, which actually means it's easier for you to listen. But for now, you get updates on two new studies, which may not necessarily represent the most novel things you've heard about this year, but hopefully they provide some information you can use. The first is on what medications are useful to help people with autism. Now, one theory around autism is that it's caused in part by an inflammatory response in the brain and the nervous system. There are in fact evaluations of, inflama- there are in fact elevations in inflammatory markers seen in the blood, urine, and even brains of some people with autism. There's a lot of these different markers. They don't always replicate. But 10 years ago, it prompted the NIH to run a study of a drug called minocycline. You may have heard of minocycline. It's used to treat bacterial infections, and it's actually the first line of treatment to treat infections in people that are allergic to penicillin. And if you're older than, say, 30, you remember it was used to treat anthrax back in 2001 when there was all that anthrax going around. It's also used to treat gonorrhea, but that's just an aside. It's a useful drug. It reduces inflammation and it's a matrix metalloproteinase inhibitor. This matrix metalloproteinase inhibitor has been shown to trigger and activate chemicals in the brain that cause an immune response, not just in autism, but in other conditions. So it's a pretty interesting target to look at to alleviate neuroinflammation. I will also qualify the word neuroinflammation by saying this process is pretty complicated. It involves different parts of the brain on a different molecular and sometimes cellular level, but for the purposes of this short podcast, let's just say it reduces inflammation. It's not the only drug that does it. There have been others tested, but it does reduce some of the inflammatory markers seen in people with autism. Not all of them, but some of them. And actually an anecdotal report from families saying that their children's symptoms were alleviated after a coincidental minocycline treatment actually prompted this study in autism, which was published in 2013. The original study was small and it didn't find anything, but it did lead to larger studies in a disorder called Fragile X syndrome. Fragile X syndrome is caused by a specific gene mutation where 70% of the kids and adults with Fragile X do have an autism diagnosis. Mostly, those people have a comorbid intellectual disability, but in those studies, it was shown to produce some slight improvements in those with Fragile X. So recently, another study conducted at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, University of Missouri, and University of Pittsburgh used a rigorous experimental design, technically a crossover study, to study the effectiveness of minocycline. So before and after treatment, kids in two different age groups, which were adolescents and eight adolescents, were tested on different measures of function. Then they either got placebo first or minocycline first. They got a month of that drug and then they were switched over to the other. So some started with placebo, then got minocycline, Some started with minocycline and then got placebo. So everyone in the study had a chance to get the minocycline. The advantage of this design is everyone got the drug, so they could look at before or after or with or without minocycline, and then they could look at the differences in those scores. So the groups didn't have to be split. There was a placebo group, but they could see changes in each individual rather than group differences between treatments, which, of course, can be very variable. While minocycline seem to have some beneficial effects in fragile ex-kids, unfortunately, there was really no benefit of minocycline again, which replicates that earlier study I talked about. No changes in any pre- or post-outcome results were noted. Nothing. Not on global impressions, not on spatial relations, not on caregiver reports, not on aberrant behaviors, not on quality of life, nothing granular, nothing global, nothing overall. So this is with minocycline compared to with placebo. People should not stop using minocycline for infections. I'm not talking that this is a bad drug. Hell no. It's a perfectly good antibiotic. Think of it as a treatment for an infection, it is not a viable treatment right now for autism symptoms. So another question, not drug related, but another kind of question that families have been asking and has been studied, we get this a lot, is whether or not the amount of times kids spend on their screens, their phones, their iPads, video games is related to their autism. Well, you can look at it this two ways. Since autism originates prenatally, you'd have to check how much time kids with autism are playing on their phones in utero. Since you can't do that, many investigators from around the world have just been looking simply at the amount of time kids and adolescents with autism spend on their devices. Is it a lot? Is it a little? Is it too much? What is too much? Now, you've heard me report on some of these studies, but now a systematic review has summarized the results of 46 of them that investigated the question. So first I'll acknowledge that too much of anything is not always a good thing. The American Academy of Pediatrics warns against too much screen time, and I'll agree. Kids of all backgrounds and diversities, put down your phones. And I'm guilty too. Parents, we spend too much time on our devices and our kids look up to us. So I'm not necessarily a good role model for my own kids. The idea is not that screen time causes autism, but that kids with autism spend too much time on their screens and not enough time on things like vital real-life experiences, positive things like being outside with friends, and that might contribute to kids being less active, less verbal, less social, leading to an increased probability of a developmental delay or later autism. It could also lead to some of the health problems that kids with autism experience, If kids with autism spend too much time on their phones, sitting around, it might explain some, but not all, of obesity and weight gain in this group. Not saying it explains everything, it's one thing. So this is called the displacement hypothesis. In fact, that instead of spending time doing experiences like being outside and learning things, they're sitting there on their phone. So go ahead and displace those iPads during your next dinner. What were the findings? A meta-analysis, which is the reanalysis of data from across all 46 of those studies, was conducted to look at things like what type of screen, what ages, and what type of autism measure was used to assess features or diagnosis, and whether or not all of these things were associated with screen time. In total, data from over half a million people were included in this analysis. So previous studies have shown that, yes, children with autism do spend more time on their screens than those who have a typically developing phenotype. But there's a lot of variability in there. there and also, th- these studies, most of them were done before the pandemic came out. And the topic of the pandemic actually spurred positive and negative sources of screen time. Also, previous studies weren't able to look at any moderators. So a new analysis led by researchers in Israel did just that. They started with over 4,000 articles and whittled them down to 46 based on whether or not they were an actual experimental study, were in a peer reviewed journal, published in English, and examined specifically autism. Now, there was a lot of analyses here from whether the screen was a TV, a video game, a computer, what age the kids were, and what type of an ASD measure was used. Did it look at a diagnosis or a feature of autism? So to be short, my holiday gift to you this week is a short podcast, and I will say that being autistic leads to a small but statistically significant increase in screen time. This was mostly on kids younger than 12 years, but it ran across both ASD as a diagnosis and symptoms. This has been shown before. This shouldn't be surprising. Autism is linked to increased screen time. There were no differences on the size of the device, like a giant TV or a tiny phone, or even the type of device, whether it's a computer screen, a TV, an iPad. However, overall, social media use and autism outcome were linked in a negative way. So this is social media only, meaning autistic kids are less likely to use social media. Why? I have no clue. It may be avoided by people with autism, or it could be protective against features of autism. I don't believe that it protects against features of autism. I have plenty of autistic friends on social media. If you're listening, if any of you are listening, you know who you are. What do you think about this? What do you think about this link between less social media use and autism? Another thing the authors point out is what's called a publication bias. You know, just in science in general, the flashy things where there is an association gets published. If there's not an association, sometimes journals hesitate to publish it because there could be 20 things that were not accounted for, so it's not considered a sound study. Not reporting what is known as negative findings when there was no link can be dangerous and causes problems. For example, if 20 people publish a study that shows a link and then one study doesn't find a link, what does that say? Were the first 20 studies wrong? Or was the one study wrong? Or are there more studies that don't show anything that just were never published? The bottom line is this. Screen time is is associated with autism, but it's also associated with language issues and attention problems. Maximize with moderation. Take those screens away at some point. Your kids with autism clearly love them, which is great. But take everything in small doses. If you have a hard time pulling the device from your autistic kids' clutches, you're not alone, but there's science to back up the association. But also look at what they're watching. I could be wrong, but looking through the list of studies, I didn't see any of the studies used in this analysis that looked at the type of programming. It was mostly broken down by hours of watching of different types, like TVs or video games, not on what type of video game or what they were watching on TV. Was it Sesame Street or was it Grand Theft Auto? That's a video game that's pretty, pretty awful. This can make a huge difference, especially now that kids are being so used to being on their devices thanks to the pandemic. Thank you for listening this week, and I t- I'll talk to you soon when I share the year-end summary of science.